You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. With me is Sumesh Chetty, Portfolio Manager Quality at 91 in Cape Town. Sumesh, I spoke to your colleague in London, Philip Saunders, the excellent Philip Saunders, and I just wanted to talk about the fact that the short-term movements in the market at the moment are not something that 91 indulges itself in commenting upon. But on the other hand, the fundamentals behind the short-term movements are very, very important because they could turn into medium and long-term considerations. We talked globally, but now I want to apply it to South Africa, which is why I turned to you, Sumesh. Generally, give me your your feeling about what is going on at the moment. Does it feel as sinister to you as it does to me? Thanks for having me on, Lindsay. Well, yeah, it feels hard. It feels difficult. Sinister is a, it's an odd term to use, I guess. I don't think there's anything sinister about it. Um, it's you know it's not like there are economists or politicians or governors of reserve banks in dark rooms plotting against the market right now, but I mean we're certainly in an environment where 14 years worth of stimulus or liquidity uh, does need to at least a part of it needs to be removed from the system, and you know South Africa post 1990 has globalized to such a degree that we aren't going to go unscathed. I guess the one benefit that South Africa has is. Uh, the prices on our stock market, or let's say the valuations rather, have fallen so far that it potentially gives you a little bit of a margin of safety. I'm not suggesting that South Africa offers value and you should be buying our stock market here. But what I am saying is optically, South Africa offers far more value than the likes of the US right now or other developed markets. Do you think that that might change should the commodity price rally that is becoming a little bit spotty at the moment? In other words, there are certain sectors doing better than other sectors, whereas in, in the past it's just been buy every commodity and sit back and wait. Uh, do you think that if that run to the upside in commodities ends, then South Africa is vulnerable given what's happening overseas? Very much so. Because, you know, again, if you look at that, that valuation of the market overall, but commodity companies look cheap because they're sitting on low multiples, because investors don't believe the sustainability of the earnings. So commodity companies are generating all-time high free cash flows. Um, they're, they're printing cash. That's why you see governments around the world saying, okay, maybe there needs to be one-off taxes on or, or windfall taxes on oil companies, for example. And if those prices come off, then, then of course, um, our market suddenly starts looking a lot more expensive. So you've got to be very careful about how you dissect the market, how you how you think about where you actually want to allocate capital right now. And remember, the big issue with commodity prices, you know, people talk about China coming back online, demand returning for a lot of the commodities that South Africa produces. But if you enter any kind of global recession, that demand potentially falls off a cliff and prices potentially go with it. So we're vulnerable to external influences. That's what you're saying. Very much so. Very mm. much so. And that's the issue with a, a more open economy. Now, it's good and it's bad. But of course, a lot of countries today are actually potentially deglobalizing. They want to run more closed systems. Ultimately, it becomes about protecting their center as opposed to, for example, uh, participating in any kind of comparative advantage where you are looking to uplift your population or your rate of growth by focusing on what you're best at. So I think I think the dynamic change is significantly going forward. And I think it's really going to be driven by the levels of inflation that we're seeing in the world today. 
So again, in general terms, and we'll get into the specifics in a minute or so's time, but do you think that it's time to run for the hills or do you think it's time to have a look settle down a little bit and look for opportunities while the dust settles. I mean, I keep on using this phrase, the dust settling, and the dust may take a while to settle. But on the other hand, I have to say, given the run we've had since 2009 to the upside, there may be more to come. And therefore, do you run for the hills? Okay, so not an easy answer, but there's some definite points you can put down, pigs in the sand. You don't run for the hills now. If you are taking this very short-term approach when it comes to investing. You should have been running for the hills last year when you could have looked at the S&P and said, actually, it's trading at all-time highs. I shouldn't be investing here. Now, if you are actually thinking as an investor rather than a trader, you should have a far longer-term horizon. I know it's difficult, but you know, five years, 10 years, whatever the case may be. And the market is definitely offering far better opportunities than we've seen over the last year, over the last two years. You know, you're getting close to the sort of opportunities you might have seen during COVID, not across the board, but in certain select opportunities. However, it's very difficult to argue that you should be allocating a lot of capital into the market right now, because to your point, there's potentially worse to come. Think about how far behind the curve the Fed is right now. So the Fed's at 1%. They are going to announce whether or not the increase, well, sorry, of course, they're raising rates today. But, you know, the market's looking for 75 basis points. Uh, the Fed previously communicated 50 basis points. But but even if they were to do 1% today, so let's say rates went to 2%, they are still running significant negative real rates. So that, that that's actually stimulatory. So the stimulus needs to be taken out of the market, which means you could easily see further downside in the short term. You, you could easily see another 10 or 15% down. So you need to keep powder dry. Now, it becomes a little bit easier, I think, if an investor isn't just thinking about equities, you know, do you buy equities? Do you sell equities? And we think this is really where the multi-asset proposition comes into its own, because because you ultimately can rely on managers who are making those allocation decisions for you. So in other words, taking risk off the table when markets are looking a little bit frothy, adding risk at the margin when opportunities start presenting themselves, and then really allocating to risk when the market's in the doldrums. What I find most interesting is your question in itself suggests now is not the time to invest in equities or invest a significant amount of your capital in equities. Because what you're ultimately looking for before you allocate maximum risk in your portfolio is capitulation. And when investors are asking, you know, is this the bottom? Is it time? Has the Fed gone too far? Do you think the Fed needs to cut rates in 2023? That capitulation doesn't exist in the market. And, and you know what's fascinating? The flag bearer for unprofitable tech is the Cathy Woods Arc Fund. And the Cathy Woods Arc Fund is still receiving <laughs> inflows. Investors haven't capitulated. You know, the retail army is still strong. They are still buying the dips. And in fact, there's a whole generation of investors who haven't experienced a real bear market. You know, investors who've come into the market, let's say from 2009 onwards, have basically experienced 13 years of stimulus, 13 years of buy the dip, 13 years of the Fed always coming to your rescue. It's very interesting because that's the antithesis of the behavior of the South African retail investor. Because I remember speaking to a CISO, formerly the unit trust organization, which the official name briefly escapes me. But when things get bad, they get out. Well, what you're saying is that the US and global investor is saying, no, I believe in this for the long term and therefore I'm getting in. Would you agree with that? Yes, I agree with that. But I think it's because the US investor 
firmly believes in support from the Fed. And we need to be careful about this because, you know, people talk about the Greenspan put, the Fed coming to the rescue of markets. Time and time again, people think, well, the market's down 20%, the market's down 30%, the Fed has to step in. But what people forget is the dual mandate of the Fed doesn't relate to inflation and the level of the market. It relates to inflation and unemployment. So they want to keep inflation at an appropriate level. They want to keep unemployment at an appropriate level. And unemployment is very low in the US right now. It's 3.6%. So the Fed actually has a lot of room to maneuver in terms of raising rates. You know, if unemployment was sitting at 5 or 6%, I would say, okay, the Fed is unlikely to want to raise significantly, you know, if, if they think there's a chance that inflation comes down from whatever level it's at when unemployment is sitting at 5 or 6% and the Fed is still combating inflation. But at this 3.6% level of unemployment, with inflation sitting at 8.5, arguably the Fed can keep going, and they should keep going because they're, they're way behind the curve. So you really should think about the Fed funds rate versus unemployment. And of course, unemployment will have or, or will be determined by the margins that companies can generate in the market. And what I mean by that is, as profitability dries up for businesses, as their operating margins decline, they are more likely to retrench. And so unemployment goes up and, you know, with declining profitability, you're more than likely going to see declining valuations so um, or improving valuations, declining prices. So, so there is a relationship, but you've got to be very careful of assuming it's the market that's going to drive the Fed's decision as opposed to unemployment that drives the Fed's decision. Okay. Sumesh, all this is idle, not idle speculation, but informed speculation. But on the other hand, we need to now deal in reality. What is the reality of your positioning, your strategy at Quality at 91 in Cape Town? You're a portfolio manager in this division, in this discipline. What are you doing at the moment? So we like the term macro prognostication. And we're not macro prognosticators. You've got to be aware of what's happening in the environment because that ultimately informs um, you think about risk in the portfolio, you know, shocking the portfolio for various outcomes. So we have been reasonably conservatively positioned. So we have a high equity portfolio, the Opportunity Fund, and a low equity portfolio, the Cautious Managed Fund. And in the Opportunity Fund, we're holding approximately 60% equities of a maximum budget of um, 75. And in the Cautious Managed Fund, uh, we're holding 31% in equities out of a maximum budget of 40%. So we're sitting somewhere in the middle right now. So it's not doom and gloom. Markets are so expensive, you've got to hold almost nothing. And similarly, it's not markets are so cheap, you need to be sitting at your maximum. What we're trying to do for investors is create a balance of opportunities where almost irrespective of what markets do from here, because to your point, you know, it's, it's very difficult to forecast when you're so dependent on the decisions of central banks, you know, the whims of central banks, so to speak, so you've got to be very careful about uh, keeping powder dry to take to take advantage of opportunities. So there are a lot of bonds in the portfolio, 20% in the Opportunity Fund, 45% uh, in the Cautious Managed Fund. Then we're holding cash on top of that, about 12% in Opportunity Fund, about 20% in the Cautious Managed Fund, cash and near cash instruments. And what that ultimately enables us to do is take advantage of those opportunities as they present themselves, or better yet, if those opportunities take a while to emerge, because volatility is elevated and volatility is going to remain with us for a while, given this uncertainty around how central banks are going to react, what it what enables you to do is actually cushion the volatility you experience in the equity component of your portfolio and deliver returns that effectively um, 
allow investors to sleep peacefully at night. You know, you're a long-term investor. One should be a long-term investor. And um, over the short term, it's you've got to balance that sleep peacefully at night with being able to take advantage of opportunities as and when they arise. I said this was the final question, or rather my last question was the final one, but this is the final one. What would it take for the quality strategy to change at 91? How drastic would it have to be for you to say, you sit down and say, okay, we've done very, very well indeed, but on the other hand, we need to do well in the future and therefore we must do this. Is that a scenario that haunts you sometimes? Very much so. You know, we wouldn't want to wake up tomorrow morning and you discover, let's be ridiculous here, that the Fed has cut interest rates by 1% and suddenly says quantitative easing is back on the table and we're going to be buying another trillion or $2 trillion in bonds. That would be absolutely awful for us because the markets would be off to the races. But, you know, in a more realistic sense, good news would concern us a little bit because it would be very positive for equity markets that good news could emerge from China, that good news could emerge from uh, the Russia-Ukraine war, you know, some sort of ceasefire along those lines. But ultimately, you come back to this point of the excess stimulus that has existed in the market for close to 14 years. And that excess stimulus has inflated asset prices. And as consumers have felt richer, they've been able to spend more and this dislocation that you've seen in supply, you, you know, it, there's been this confluence of people demanding more while supply doesn't exist. So you very much need to see demand destruction right now to cool markets, to cool inflation. So I think you are way off from seeing any kind of surprise that that results in, in the markets being off to the races again. Now, when you talk about that change, that potential change in the portfolio, it's not a change in philosophy. It's not a change in process. It would be a change in positioning. And in order to see that change in positioning very easily, you, you'd either want to see significantly higher volatility in the market, which would result in lower prices. And they are fantastic businesses that we're looking to allocate um, more capital to. You know, on, in, in the offshore market, you know, especially given that we have increased freedom, we have increased availability, given the change in regulation. You know, there, there are 26 businesses we're holding right now that we think are fantastic. But we have a short bench of, I think it's another 45 ideas, where we're very eager to allocate capital, um, assuming we see better prices. Sumesh, thanks so much for your insight. Sumesh Chetty is a portfolio manager, quality at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.